Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the RSS UK Lockdown 2.0 podcast channel. Um, this is episode two, and today we are joined by Mark Smith, RSS UK president. Um, we're going to know a little bit more about Mark, get to know a little bit more about Mark. Um, we're also going to reflect on his presidency today, look forward to the next two years, and also get a marketing 101 from Mark as Fortunately, we're joined by somebody that in his own profession is also a marketing profession. So, hi, Mark. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Lee. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very good, thanks. Looking forward to uh, this and having a chat with everybody. Good, good. So, let's get into the questioning because nobody wants to listen to me. They want to hear more about you. Um, so, so, first of all, um, looking back now on your presidency, um, you've just come to the end of the first year, one of three terms. Um, what would you say are your, your highlights and reflections from that period? Highlights and reflections. So this has obviously not been the year that any of us expected it would be. And at the start of this year, what we intended was this would be the springboard for the new strategic framework that we were bringing in. An opportunity for us to focus on education, training and personal development on consultancy expertise and partnership and on building our community and bringing all of that together while underpinned with financial and environmental sustainability. And I think at the very start of lockdown one, we were going to do a large launch event of that. That was going to be in March. I think it was the second week after COVID really hit. And what happened was we decided that was something that should be delayed. It wasn't the right time to be doing it then. So I think looking back, that was that was a moment of sadness, really, because we've been building up to that for quite a few years. You know, myself, Robert, the trustees, yourself and the rest of the staff team um, and other volunteers had been working very hard in bringing that together. So it was it was a shame. But I think what we really saw was a positive, a positive in the way that people then acted and um, pulled together and the things that people did both to keep life saving activity happening and to ensure drownings continue to be prevented, but also um, that we were able to reflect on one of the key parts of the strategic framework, which was financial sustainability. As we reported at the annual general meeting, we uh, reported a surplus for the first time in at least 10 years. So that put us in a really strong position to stay afloat during the pandemic. Now, that isn't to say that we had an easy ride. It was actually very difficult and we were on a knife edge most of it, but it put us in a, in a stronger position than we would have maybe been a few years back. So that, I think, is, is a positive reflection back on the year. Um, and now, having launched the strategic framework a few weeks ago, we're now in that position uh, to really look at that springboard year that we were going to have but with a slightly different lens and thinking about things in a slightly different way. Yeah, thank you, Mark. It's certainly been a, a year to be to be flexible. <laughs> and I think your reflections are, are really interesting in terms of how, certainly from my perspective, the you know, that our, our volunteers, our members, our customers have got behind the organisation and appreciated the challenges that we've faced and, you know, been really on the front foot and then to, to help out with that, which has just been in, 
incredible to see. It's it's incredible that under the under the lens of kind of pressure, how people help out and and support the organisation. So just just a little bit on on you, really. Many members will know you from from various different things, but for for the members that are listening that, that haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, let's uh, let's hear something interesting about Mark Smith. Well, gosh, something interesting about me. Um, so I think one thing that's that maybe other people won't know. So you've you've introduced me as someone who is uh, working in in marketing um, and brand development and customer experience. The one thing people who don't know me um, won't know, but people who do know me will know very well, is my love of and involvement in outdoor events and festivals. And I'm actually part of the management team at Reading Festival, uh, which many um, people watching will have either been to or, or heard of. This is something that is very different to where, where I kind of started in life. I never had really been to a music festival until I was 18 um, and even then it was it was kind of not something that was particularly high on my list of things to do um, and yet through life saving and, and a group in Nottingham um, club called Collet Park Lifeguard Club I got involved in outdoor events and I went along with them to various events that passion grew um, and I developed a real love for outdoor events and I think if you look at the recent campaign that RLSS UK and Ireland did about where life-saving and lifeguarding got people to and the doors that it opened, this is another great example. So there is no way I would have had anything to do with that music industry if it hadn't have been for life-saving and lifeguarding. That was unquestionably the, the route in for me. And I think it's really fascinating when we've seen those stories that have been published recently about the routes that people have taken and where lifeguarding and life saving has got them to. Yeah, there's there's one that I remember reading where someone is now a journalist and reports on uh, national sporting, international sporting events on national media and is quite famous on the Formula One circuit, for example, and they started through life saving and lifeguarding. So. I think it, it really is interesting where people get to um, having started with things from us and the doors that life saving and lifeguarding can open. Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, I've seen some of the images um, of, of yourself and, and other other lifeguards that have been in that position and given that opportunity to go to those top of some of events or go to things like Camp America. I mean, and if I reflect back on the organisation a few years ago, um, we, you know, the, that lifeguarding provision, especially on beaches, used to be huge for our organisation, but for, for many reasons and, and the introduction of the RNLI beach lifeguards, etc., that, that part of the organisation has slightly been diminished yet um, with this event work that you've been heavily involved in and we seem to be doing more of and clubs seem to do a more it, it really gives lifeguards young and old something exciting to get involved in and kind of brings back the nostalgia of being on the beach every week and, and lifeguarding as part of a club so um, I'm sure many people didn't know that about you so it's great that you can share that. And, and it's not just the you know stopping at the lifeguarding so that was the, the kind of the initial route in but now I you know I don't actually do any work on that on that side. I've actually progressed and you know, last year at, at Reading, for example, I was looking after 
various bits of customer experience uh, across the site in you know campsites was helping to manage the the silent disco at kind of two in the morning you know it, it kind of ventured into all sorts of different areas um you know working with the production teams that you know would never have been something that you know, would have been able to access if it hadn't been through the the rlss related uh, club and, and award system and i know that's um, that's a big part of you know where the organization wants to go over the next few years in, in line with our new strategy we want to make sure that we're ahead of the open water market and providing services there. Um, having recently launched a new framework, um, it's, a, it's a five year framework, so much of which does come within your presidency, but what specifically <coughs> excites you about that new framework and, and where the organisation's heading? I think the, the bit that really, you know, excites me, I think everything within it does. It, we've spent a long time crafting it. And I remember a very early draft of this that I actually found uh, the other day as I was clearing some things out um, that was, you know, a first scribble of, of what it is we're trying to do on a on a piece of paper that, you know, was probably, gosh, that would have been about four years ago now that that uh, was done, um, you know, kind of back of a post-it note kind of thing and, and then how it's progressed since there. And I think the thing that, that really has stood out for me throughout it as the thing that I'm most passionate about is the idea and concept of building our community and bringing together everyone that's involved in life-saving whether they be people who we we call and it's our own terminology that we've created we call lifesavers or we call lifeguards or the people that are supporting through fundraising or people who are advocates for our organization for our message or partners such as the fire services, the local authorities, the RNLI and others. And they're really building that community and bringing it together, but also reaching out into the wider community and reaching groups that maybe we wouldn't have reached before uh, to make sure that we get that message across about preventing people from drowning. And the key thing is that we've changed the the, the the approach and the style that we're using so rather than being a negative it's not about preventing drowning which can be quite a turn off from a messaging perspective for some people and a lot of studies have been done recently um, including one uh, which was a, a dissertation by one of the students i was working with last year uh, which looked into great detail on this kind of idea of positive messaging versus negative messaging and getting charity communications across and what's most effective and there's some real evidence behind focusing on a positive message to engage people which is why we're really coming together around the concept of helping people to enjoy water safely and i think building our community in that way and coming together to say well how can we work together to enjoy water safely and that might be anything from a leisure centre using its pool lifeguards to go and do talks in schools about how best to enjoy water safely or it could be about life-saving clubs going into leisure centres and, and doing the opposite or you know all sorts of different things that we've got opportunity to do and I think for me that shift has been happening for a good few years now I think back to when I first did my bronze medallion and the life-saving one two three awards and really the focus then 
was on stay out of the water. It was on do not go in, which is fine and works for some bodies of water. There is absolutely times when part of enjoying water safely is not going in and enjoying it by not going in. But it was almost a blanket message of never go into water. And I think we still have in our organisation some hangovers from that now. And I'll, I'll, I'll maybe mention those in a bit because really now the, the culture of the community across all of our nations is about embracing water. And I hear stories of open water swimming, for example, has increased by 33% year on year, I've heard people say it's doubled, I've heard all sorts of figures, but the, the single fact is it's growing and people mm. are embracing it. And we need to be there on that journey as an organisation, absolutely at the forefront, making sure that people are doing it safely. That really kind of resonates with me. So I think back to, like I say, when I first started, uh, in life saving, I would have looked at a body of open water and gone, well, look, there's no way I'd, I'd ever go in there because, you know, it's open water. And I remember having a conversation uh, with another RLSS member and we were looking at some water and them saying, oh, well, we used to kind of back in the 70s, we used to go and swim out there. And I kind of looked almost bemused at, at this concept of they were swimming in open water because, hey, that's that's crazy. Why would anyone do that? That's not safe. But actually, what I came to realise and, and did a few advanced training courses and, and explored water safety and, and more was there are ways of doing this safely. And a great example would be the week before lockdown. So the week before lockdown, I was lucky enough to get some time in Cornwall. Perfect timing just before the the rules came in. So we were lucky that we were going from a low tier to a low tier so we could do it. And we were going to, um, you know, before we'd even considered lockdown being, you know, a thing again. And one of the things that we, I was able to do was to go swimming and go swimming in the sea. And I look back and I think, actually, I would never have done that before. But what I was able to do was to join a local group um, who were regularly swimming every Monday morning in the sea. They were going off a beach, so biggest waves I've probably ever been in myself. And I did it because I knew that the group understood the local conditions, they understood the tides, they understood the local hazards, they were experienced in that area. There was a big group, um, very socially distanced uh, <laughs> group, who, if someone was to get into trouble, you know, they'd be able to help each other out. I had my tow float with me, my swim secure tow float, and I was able to go out with, you know, a level of confidence and understand, you know, if something went wrong, there were sufficient control uh, methods in place that could intervene. And, um, you know, and there was people on, you know, on the beach that were with us that stayed on the beach. So if there was problems, they could call for help and so on and so forth. And that then gave me the confidence that for the rest of the week, I then um, ditched the wetsuit, um, which I did wear on the Monday because I thought, <laughs> well, as it's my first go, I'll, I'll wear it. But ditched the wetsuit for the rest of the week, found a more sheltered area, had done some research into the tides, had spoken to other people that were swimming in those spaces, and I kept my, my swim secure tow float with me, 
and was able to swim around the, the harbour area where it was sheltered and you know taken account for tides and weather conditions etc and I wouldn't have done that if you know I hadn't had this kind of risk assessment going on and, and actually when I came out uh, later in the day I was talking to someone who was a local resident who was uh, opposite living opposite where I was staying and when I mentioned the fact that I was uh, in the water he went oh was that you I saw you he said, you must be mad, mustn't you? <laughs> and I said, well, actually, yes, because it was very cold. It was probably the coldest water I've ever been in in my life. Um, but, I, you know, there was, a, there was a process of risk assessment. And, you know, I thought through the entry and exit points. I thought through what happens if someone, something goes wrong. I thought through, you know, having someone on the land that was looking out and knew what to do if there was a problem. You know, I'd, I'd spoken to local people, I'd understood the tides, so on and so forth, and you know, pulled together this catalogue of, of risk assessments. And he kind of stood there like, wow, well, that must have taken ages. And I said, well, not really. That, that kind of took, you know, about 60 seconds, you know, to think through and then, you know, maybe a bit of time to speak to people. But actually just getting those things together meant that it was a safer environment. Nothing's ever going to be 100% safe, uh, but there was, you know, a lot of control measures in place. Yeah. You know, should something go wrong, it, it was there. So I think, I think really that that is something that really excites me. Being able to bring that attitude of enjoying water safely to a wider audience and enabling people to do that. I think what I've seen is a start around the country to opening up areas of open water for people to swim safely in. And I think there's an opportunity, you know, and the shout scheme has supported that. I think there's an opportunity to grow that because I think a lot of them, um, I look at the Midlands and, you know, a lot of them, for example, in Nottingham, feel like they're more focused towards triathlon, which is great for that sport. But there's also, I think, a need for more casual swimming. Uh, kind of go to, to kind of Leicestershire and Rutland and, you know, Rutland Water has an area um, that obviously wasn't open this year, but um, is open for more casual swimming, beach swimming, um, over near Market Bosworth, they've got space for that. And I think that's the kind of culture I'd really love to see further expanding so that people can enjoy water in safe environments. And also that then deters people from jumping in the quarry. You know, the, the site in Market Bosworth isn't a long way away from a well-known, very dangerous quarry. And actually, if they're open, then why wouldn't kids go to the safe environment that they can go and swim at? That's got a, a shop that sells ice creams. It's got you know somewhere to to dry off. It's got a bit of a beach area, rather than being led to the quarry. So I'd really like to see more places um, and opportunities for people to engage with water safely. Yeah, thanks, Mike. That's really there's some really interesting points in there. Um, you know, one which I really picked up is about how easy it is for us to play a role in encouraging people, empowering people to, to go and do those things that you do, because like you say, the, the enjoyment factor, and, and we've we've all read about the health and mental health and well-being benefits of swimming in open water. And as an organisation, we have to be fleet of foot to respond to that, because it's happening whether we um, like it or not, and our history dictates whether we like it or not. If we, if we tell people not to get in the water, that, that is happening around us. So we need to be fleet of foot as an organisation and be able to respond to that and like you say give give people venues and people that want to get involved in aquatic activity outdoors the 
the tools to be able to respond to that in a really safe way. Um, and and you know we have a we have a big role to play in that I think, and, and especially to get into diverse audiences. Um, you know that enjoyment that you've witnessed shouldn't shouldn't be a social issue. It shouldn't be a socio-economical issue. And we we need to be able to give all walks of life across the UK and Ireland the opportunity to access that knowledge so that they can get out there and enjoy water. Thanks, Mark. That's really useful. And um, hopefully you'll be back in Cornwall pretty soon doing the same thing. Albeit, is it too cold now? Would you have the wetsuit on now? Well, I, I'd, I'd have to judge it on the day. I mean, it was only a couple of weeks ago, but I must say the uh, the, the final day of being there, there was a, a notable temperature drop and <laughs> I, I, got, I got my ankles in. And I, I, I thought, am I, am I really going to do this? Because I struggled to get my knees in. But you know, took it slowly and, and considered cold water shock and, and the best way of entering safely. Um, and you know, and, and it took a little bit of time. I've got to admit, but I did it. <laughs> so you are. You've mentioned it before. You was uh, part of a, a huge and a successful club in Nottingham. Um, and first and foremost, I think you were predominantly a club man, and that's how you've got more involved with the organisation. I suppose, what are your reflections on on the impact of um, this year and everything that's going on around us and uh, the club kind of landscape and environment? So I was indeed, I think prior to that, I was also a member um, and instructor with some other life-saving clubs as I kind of moved around the country. And I think what really saddened me, and this is, you know, before you know the times of, of COVID this was just a general trend was all of those life-saving clubs prior to, to the kind of current one they've all vanished they, they've gone so in those areas around Leicestershire, Northamptonshire, Nottinghamshire where those clubs existed and gave me the opportunities as someone who was kind of coming in from probably about eight nine years old right the way up through to you know 18 so that 10 years of the you know the young young person's life those clubs aren't there anymore so those opportunities are gone and those opportunities that i had aren't there and that really saddens me because I, I i look at it and i think well the opportunity for people to get in to you know all these great things that we talk about and you know we talked earlier about the different routes people have taken that have been open through life-saving whether that be through for me the music industry or you know, for someone else, the you know, an international reporting uh, job in sport and, you know, all the others that we've seen, and you know, various leisure management roles, things like that. But those opportunities aren't there if those clubs have gone. You know, they might do life-saving awards through leisure centres or through private swim schools, perhaps, or through their schools. But it's not, it's not the same, is it? It's not quite the same thing. So I think, for me, it is a real desire to encourage clubs to innovate and to look at how the world moves on. I think I've often seen the world overtaking the, the setup that some clubs have. And unfortunately, what then happens is their numbers drop and their numbers drop. So the revenue goes down. So they then struggle with paying for pool time. You know, the pool time rates go up and they're still heavily reliant on that pool slot. And it's a perfect storm that, you know, in that the supply side is going down and the demand side is going down at the same time. So ultimately they, they, they disappear. And I think the, you know, along the journey, I've seen various basic things that, you know, I think everybody could do. And, and that's really utilizing the opportunities that present themselves. 
So very often I'll go to leisure centres and I'll see swimming clubs that have big notice boards that have all sorts of exciting things and trophies they've won and pictures of people succeeding and the reasons why they do it, the excitement why they do it posted up on those big notice boards. But very often I then see the one for a life-saving club and typically, and it's not all life-saving clubs, but I see this a lot in leisure centres, typically it's you know, out of date pictures, out of date comments. It's really obviously not been loved. It doesn't really say what it is that they do and why they do it. It doesn't really bring to life the spirit of the club. And there's missed opportunities there. So I think there's opportunities with just some of the basics. But then I think the real challenge I would I would give to clubs is to think about ways that they can innovate. So what I've been seeing has been over lockdown clubs saying well we can't do pool time so there's nothing we can do but what some of the great examples we have seen are where people have gone well actually what what can we do what can we innovate to do and there's obvious ones like running CPR sessions you know using zoom or teams or something like this which can bring a new angle to how um, you know people see the life-saving club and, and what they do but then also there's other opportunities. You know, I've I've been with life saving clubs where, and obviously these won't work through lockdown, but post lockdown, you know, with social distancing, these can work. I've been with life saving club where we have gone to a, a country park in a in an evening, or, you know, or late afternoon when it's dark, and done a a kind of search and rescue exercise. You know, no one's going in the water. It's around, you know, using radios or following instructions. And, and you know searching the, the the country park or the nature reserve i think it was to find the casualty and then you know dealing with the casualty and people enjoyed that and, and had fun and i think doing things like that absolutely you know can be something that legitimately a life-saving club could do you know properly risk assessed and safeguarding considered and also looking at open water I think the one thing that I'm really surprised at is how few open water life-saving clubs we have. It still feels like it's a bolt-on to a pool session in many clubs, if that. Um, and yet we see open water swimming growing, as we said earlier, considerably amongst people like tri-clubs. And I hear things back like, well, we can't do it because of the weather, and it's difficult to get people down there you know they need the equipment well i'd say take a second and reflect on some of the tri clubs and triathlons the uh, triathlon teams that use open water they're able to get people down there they they have kit and not everyone's wetsuit's perfect i mean the wetsuit that i have you know it, it's a it's a kind of a, a second hand one and um, in fact there were two so the one i had before was second hand it would cost 10 pounds on ebay and I actually bought it for fancy dress a few years ago. And that was the first one I started using. And then as I kind of got more into swimming, someone that was swimming with said, oh, I've got this. I don't fit in it anymore. Do you want it? And it was free. So, you know, I've had two wetsuits over the last few years and the total cost was £10. So, you know, there's ways to get into this. And, you know, we have the awards. We have the risk assessment frameworks. We have the training for instructors. You know, if you feel that you need to do something where there's infrastructure, there's open water swimming clubs popping up here, there and everywhere, primarily for people who are in areas like triathlon. But there's also sailing clubs. So, 
I've run life savings wards at a local sailing club. Uh, you know, a lot of sailing clubs have brilliant facilities. They typically, to get RAA accreditation, they need male and female changing rooms, they need showers, they need kitchens. So they've got all these facilities, but typically people are only going down to them maybe on a Saturday daytime, a Sunday daytime and a Wednesday evening or something like that. You know, they're, they're sat there empty for long periods of time in many instances. And often they're happy to, to share the facilities and, and they want the facilities to be used. That's what they're there for, particularly for, you know, voluntary groups. So I think there's opportunities to tie in with others if, you know, if you need that infrastructure or to just find you know, a patch of land, ask the landowner's permission. Often it's the local council and they'll be happy to support recreation typically um, and get involved. And I think using, you know, innovation, growing in spaces like that is where we can really start to stand out. And, and if genuinely, you know, it does get too cold because, you know, let's be realistic, we're not going to go swimming in freezing cold temperatures. Well, then that's where we can look at other centres and, and spaces, you know, community centres or online to do things like first aid, to do things like some of the theory. You know, there's, there's lots that can be done. And I'd really push people who are in clubs to, to innovate and equally people who aren't in clubs set up new ones set up a new life saving club that's going to be an open water life saving club um you know to do these things you know in the winter look at doing things on land get people to wrap up warm and go and do cpr sessions or you know like i said the search and rescue session so i'd really push people in clubs to to innovate and, and move with the world or or risk quite frankly being left behind um, which is what we keep seeing yeah i think we're acutely aware of I mean, obviously, the organisations faced faced the, the challenges of just um, get, getting through this year. And like you mentioned at the start, we've we've managed to do that with some level of success. But we are acutely aware of the impact on clubs and the, the challenges, and, and you know the the next few weeks, months ahead. Um, but I think you're right. I think now more than ever, a unique selling point is important. Um, leisure operators too are hugely impacted by what's going on around us so clubs do need to think about their unique selling point and how they get through to people and I think I'd like to well we've got you here I'd like to dig into that a little bit in terms of your your marketing expertise because we are going to be doing things to help clubs and instructors and trainers to market themselves because bums on seats is, is a real issue I think moving forward and getting people back into the pool and back into clubs but what advice can you give everybody in terms of how they might market their activity? So what I would, would suggest is, you know, what, what I would do if I was coming at this as a, you know, as the, the brand and, and strategy consultant that I am, is I'd say take a step back. Stop thinking about, you know, and I've already said it, but stop thinking about notice boards and, and social media and ways to communicate. And to first take a step back and to think about who it is you're trying to target and what it is you're trying to get across to them. And the very first thing I would suggest is to do a bit of local segmentation. And what we mean by this is to look at all of the possible people in the population uh, in your area and then split them down into something that makes some sort of sense to split them down so for example i might say well actually i'm going to split people down by um, what their their mindset is at age 8 to 12 
So I'll say, right, let's look at eight to twelves. What are the different things that we're looking for? First of all, there's some people who will be wanting to go from swimming lessons into swimming clubs. They want to swim up and down. They want to excel at being strong swimmers and winning awards. Brilliant. Okay, so that's one group. The next group might be people who have no interest in doing anything with water whatsoever. They maybe hated water. It just wasn't their thing. They've done the swimming lessons. That's it. The next group might be people who want to do an activity, who want to stay in the water. They want some sort of organisational framework, but they're not really interested in speed swimming and going up and down and up and down and being you know, shouted at um, to go quicker and quicker. Um, and that was me. That was the category that I fell into. And I'd split those down. And, and that's just an example. There's, there's lots of ways that you can split it down. You know, you could also consider, OK, so where are these people coming from? Are they coming from a private swim school? Are they coming from, you know, council run swimming lessons, um, you know, and so on and so forth? Um, and you can also start to divide them up by attitudes and age, you know, where they live, so on and so forth. So split out your, your potential community. And then from within that, say, right, which of these are the ones that we want to target? Which of these are the ones that are going to be interested in potentially what we have got to offer? So you might say, do you know what? We're going to cast aside some. And it's OK at this point to say we're not going to talk to some of these people. The point is you're going to target them. So to cast some aside and say, OK, the ones that have got no interest in swimming, we're not going to talk to them. I mean, it might be that you actually want to because they're ideal for the message, but for the sake of the example. The ones that are really dedicated to swimming club, we're not going to talk to them because actually there's, there's an alternative for them that actually would suit them better. But these ones that want an activity and, you know, they want something to do, but they don't know what, they're perfect for us. You know, they could go to the scouts, they could go to a sailing club, you know, they could go to swimming club. They might end up doing nothing because they can't find anything. They might go to a triathlon club. Actually, they could come to us. We've got something that they might find useful and interesting. And to then really understand, right, if these are the people that we're targeting, what is it they want? What is it they really want? And break it down, not just say an activity, but really understand what is it that's driving them to want that? What is it that's making them say, this, this is something I want to do? So for me, for example, when I was a kid, not for lifesaving, but for sailing, I was looking for something that was more adventurous. I remember, you know, I think I've probably seen Swallows and Amazons on TV. And I remember saying, you know, to my parents, I wanted to do something a bit more adventurous. And, you know, they came up with some options and one of them was sailing. And, and that's where that kind of boating thing started for me. So really understand what it is. Now, when you've done that, so you've segmented, you've targeted, then start to think, OK, so what is the thing that we're offering? What is our, what I call proposition that we're offering? How can we put across what we do and why we do it? And then start to think, well, OK, we're a swimming pool based lifesaving club. So have we got things to offer these people? But then start to think wider and think, well, actually, what else could we do to satisfy that? If we've got this, this group of people who want to do something, they want to do something adventurous. And, um, you know, actually, maybe outdoor lifesaving would work quite well for them and build your product, your service and your proposition around what it is the market wants. I think a lot of what we, we talk about is saying we are a life saving club, so this is what we do. Please come to us. What we, we need to do is flip it round and say this is what you want. 
we can deliver on it. And swap that thinking around. So it's not about saying we're this, it's what do you want? We can deliver on it and bring people to you in that way. And that needs you to keep pace and adapt and keep pace with the different way um, that the world is moving and the things that we're progressing into. And that swap from what we do to why we do it is really important. And I'd really encourage people to you know, start to think about how they can deliver for those audiences in a much more targeted fashion. Um, and only then, when you've done that, start to think, well, how do we get these people? And then start to think about the tactics. So if I'm then thinking, well, this person that we've identified who's you know, eight years old, wants to do something with water, likes the idea of being adventurous, how are we going to get hold of them? Well, the key way of getting hold of them is A, communication direct to them, which could be the Leisure Centre Notice Board. It could be going, you know, buddying up with a swimming teacher. Uh, and then at the end of their swimming teaching, when they've got no interest in them because, you know, they top out of what they're offering, you go in and do a presentation on the pool side to them or you know they get sent a leaflet or an email or something then thinking well who are the other stakeholders in this well inevitably it's going to be the parents critical stakeholder in this how can we reach them and that might be through social media it might be through you know, different channels but once you've identified who and why you're targeting then it's going to be more efficient and i did this with uh, the lifeguard club um, when I was more involved in, in running it by identifying people who might want to be involved using Twitter. And we kind of think, oh, advertising on Twitter and targeting, that's going to be expensive. Well, actually, it took a bit of my, you know, my own time, but it was, you know, you could do it for free. So what I did was searching for key terms using just normal, normal Twitter, no, no kind of fancy software. Searching for people using key terms at that point, it was MPLQ, it was outdoors, it was things like that. Matching those terms together and then approaching them direct and sending them a tweet saying, you know, from the club account saying, Hey, we've got these things that you could come and get involved in. You know, if, you, if you've got any questions, ask us and, and click on. And some people said, I'm not interested. Some people just ignored it, but some people did click through. And at least one of those is now a youth ambassador uh, for RLSS, you know, and, and no one had ever approached them and asked them if they wanted to be involved in something. And it was the first time they'd ever been approached or even knew that things like this existed. So it was a great opportunity to bring people in. So there's many different ways to, to approach this. But I think the key thing for me is really understanding who are you talking to and what is it that you're offering and can you be innovative? Thanks, Mark. Really sound advice, I'm sure a lot of people would benefit from that. So there's a you know, challenging time for people to get people back into clubs and for ledge centres to get people back into their learn swim lessons, into their rookie programmes. And so we'll, we'll be doing whatever we can to support with, with that and provide them with the tools. But like you said, it, it requires that local kind of ownership and communication of what they've got to offer in order to get that to their local audience. So I'm a little bit conscious of time, so just one last question to explore. Um, and, and it's around, I suppose, the next two years of your presidency, really. Um, there's two years left. So when you when you approach the AGM in October in, in two years time, what is it that you'd like to look back and see from your president's term? OK, so I think the the areas that I would be particularly keen to look back on 
would be looking back at an inclusive culture and seeing, you know, in all meanings of the word inclusivity, a culture that thrives in that space. Really thriving local activity and that being through our traditional roots and also new innovative roots. And that being a diverse range of activities, so not just focusing in one space. We have so many different things that we can offer from, you know, open water life saving, which I've talked about a lot. That's one of my, my own personal passions, so hence why I've talked about it a lot. But we should also remember that we have sport, have life saving sport. So, you know, there's a whole raft, if you think about that segmentation, of people that will be interested in life saving sport. Maybe they are competitive, maybe they would be going to swim club, but they want a bit more. They want something that's you know, a bit more challenging, a bit more interesting than just straightforward swimming up and down. Life-saving sport fills that gap beautifully. Um, so a diverse range of activities. And really, the overall net effect of this is to see you know, our nations with people enjoying water safely. So to see the drowning rates reduce, but the activity rates increase. And I think that would really be the key thing for me to to see as an achievement. I think the the final things I know we're we're kind of running over on time is a challenge for me to everybody that's watching this. And regardless of whether you're watching it live or whether you're watching the recorded version later, is I want you to to do something if you can now. And I know some people will be watching on their phones, so they can't. If you can now, I'd really like you to open your email clients up, so your email programming, and start a new email. And in that email, in the to box, I want you to type in the names of three people you know from Lifesaving. And they might be local to you, or they might be people that are, you know, you talk to online from Lifesaving. So email three people. From life saving if you want to because i'm just interested and, and curious what people are going to put in what i'm about to say you can put me in the cc or the bcc as well just so it could be nosy quite frankly um <laughs> mark smith at rss.org.uk and then as the subject i'd like you to write i've got an idea i've got an idea and in the body of the email i'd love you to write hey folks or however you greet them I've got an idea. I'd really like us to, and then put in something that's different. Now, whether you're in an existing club or whether you're in a new club, put in something that you think would be exciting. So that might be, I'd really like to have an open water swimming session for all of our club members. Or I'd really like to set up an open water life-saving club. Or any of those things that we talked about today or something else. Put that in. Don't think about it too much. Act in the moment. Put that in there. So I'd really like to. Then whatever it is that you think that you want to do. And then sign it off with your normal sign off. So yours sincerely, best wishes, whatever you want to put. And now click send. Don't think about it. Don't stop. Don't review it. If there's spelling mistakes in it, who cares? Doesn't matter. Send it straight away before you kind of have second thoughts and doubt it. Send it and see where it comes to. Because three people it's gone out to, chances are one or two of them will hopefully respond positively. And then as a collective, you can do that. Even better, if you haven't sent it yet, put a date on. Say, I want to do this by this date. And put a date in. So 
so that you've got a marker and it's not something that, you know, a year later still dragging on. Put a marker in, say, I want to do this by January the 2nd or I want to do this by June 2021. OK, so that's the challenge uh, to everyone that's watching this. And I'm hoping some people will copy me in because I'd love to see some of the ideas. And <laughs> if we get some good ideas, then we'll we'll share them. We can take your name off. Um, you know, and anonymize it. Um, you know, we don't have to, but if you want to, uh, and then we can share it with others and really create an innovative culture. So that's my challenge to everyone that's watching this. So if you haven't done it yet, when we finish, jump on your email. I'd really like to three of your peers from life saving and lifeguarding. You know, it could be if you're in a leisure centre, it could be your boss at the leisure centre. You know, anything at all, send it out. Wow, Mark, what a what a great way to encourage innovation um i'd love to challenge my team as well to do the same mm. um, and it'll be interesting to hear what you get back so that that brings us to the end of the second podcast mark thank you so much for for joining us today and giving us your time uh, it's been really really interesting um, and thank you to everybody for to listening for for the podcast today and remember to follow the podcast like and subscribe and if you're not already like mark said so follow us on facebook twitter and instagram or we're doing our best to put out a lot of content to keep people engaged and we're also trying to look after people's mental health at the moment so join us for those things and again join us for the next podcast which is next week at the same time and i'll be speaking to the the lady of leisure joe talbot all about um, her experiences over the last few months what we're doing to support the leisure industry and what people can look forward to in the next few months in the leisure industry because fundamentally we know if we get that industry back up and running and taking over and all of the activity that we're involved in whether it be in open water or in the pool environment and um, we'll be able to get everybody back in and join the water safely so thank you to everybody to join us please take care and we'll see you soon bye